Yeah, I mean, like I think any young drummer, I chased the most difficult stuff for a long time. But when it came down to what I actually played, you'll never, very rarely would you ever hear me do anything more than a single or a double. Even flams would be for accents only. I, I know I'd hybrid type combinations. I'm kind of anti like patterns and licks and linear kind of makes my skin crawl like all that. I just want to play powerful, simple, you know, interesting, but not complicated. Hello, hello. My name is Ben Hilsinger, and you are, in fact, listening to the Big Fat Snare Drum Podcast. Today's guest is Mike Dawson, managing editor of Modern Drummer Magazine and the co-host of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. Mike is an insanely artful player who exemplifies the idea of building creativity out of giving yourself limitations. He posts a lot of his weirdisms on Instagram at Mike Dawson Drums. His website is MikeDawsonDrums.com as well. Dawson spelled D-A-W-S-O-N. This episode is also a reminder of how little I know when it comes to great drumming, so it only reinforced my decision to continue down this format. So, in this episode, Mike breaks down the drumming moments that shaped his playing. Cheers. This episode is also sponsored by Waves Audio. The podcast would take me so much longer to edit if it wasn't for the Waves Vocal Rider plugin. It rides the fader in real time and keeps both my and my guest's audio at a consistent level without the need to overcompress. I also use an endless amount of their plugins for my musical recordings, such as Abbey Road Saturator, CLA Drums, the SSL channel, and many more. Go check them out at waves.com or click the link via the podcast show notes and you make us money if you go through that link, which is never a bad thing. So, cheers. All right, I'm here with Mike Dawson. Thanks for being on the show, man. My pleasure. I'm feeling a little bit out of... Um out of shape with this whole podcast thing. I don't even know where my, where my mic was. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I think people are missing hearing your voice every week. So I thought I'd help everyone out and get you on to talk about drums. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm trying to be a man of more brevity. So let's just hop into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we start, can we do the famous count in? Do it. I mean, it's going to be super whack. Um, don't listen to my snap. You count and okay. don't listen to okay. me. <laughs> it, it's one, two, three snap, right? No. <laughs> What is it? Oh my gosh! What you is it? What is three, it? Four? Are you in like a polka band or something? You yeah, count the I like four. polka. Okay, you count one, the four, two, three, four, snap. Okay, <laughs> I want to drop in some audio of at least one time where it just counted three, but um, that's okay. <laughs> the four okay, count. I'll count like, off. Like you're in a band. Like you like you play music, dude. Okay, okay. Like <laughs> three, four, snap music. Um, one, two, three, four. Um, all right, so we have you here to talk about your top drumming moments. Mm. And uh, again, most people don't stick to five. And I noticed um, I didn't look at the list you gave me, but the fifth one has two links. So I'm assuming it's it a little is be- more of a... Because it's from the same product, I figured I could stretch the rule a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is. And again, if you have honorable mentions towards the end that pop into your head, please... Uh, there were Don't a few hesitate. like painful ones I had to leave out, but these I I I wanted to like what were the things early on that totally shaped me like from the very beginning before I even had a pair of sticks like the the day I wanted to be a drummer what were the things that shaped me and then what kind of ultimately led me to what I'm doing now so I mean my list could be a hundred long of of top drum moments but these are like early if you want to know like what the childhood of of Mike Dawson was like. I think we Absolutely. hit it. 
<laughs> Sweet, yeah. Let's just go into the first one. I will bring up the list right now. Um, while I'm clicking on it, what what is it? And is there a certain time you want me to click on? The links I gave you should have the starting points. Of course. All right. <laughs> so this one is, <laughs> the is first Tone Lock. Tone Lok. Tone Lok. Oh Don't tell me you're, you're too young to know Tone Lok. <laughs> I'm 33. Is that too? I, I I guess I am. That or I'm just oh. very much not cool. No, you're too young. God. I'm Your sorry, beard dude. beard is deceiving. I thought we were the same age. <laughs> no, I know. I'm trying to hang, dude. All right, so Tone, tone Loke. <laughs> I'll let thing. you take over. So are we going to listen to it first or talk about it first? Yes, yes. Let, let's listen to it. All right. All right, man. Let's talk about it. <laughs> that was literally the first drum part I ever learned in my life. And I learned it on the back of the headrest of my parents' car while we were driving listening to the radio. So that was the day I, you know, it was fourth grade. There were two kids that sat at my table that had drum sets. I did not have a drum set. I was jealous. So that Christmas, I made sure I got a drum set. So between... Labor Day and Christmas, I was just air drumming and trying to figure out how to be a drummer before I got my drum set. And this was the first time I realized I can play this rhythm. Listen to this, mom. And I'm banging on the back of her headrest while we're driving to Kmart or something. <laughs> yeah, it was the first time I like could really tell that the rhythm was different and I could play it. Okay. And later found out that that's a Van Halen um, loop beat. Those 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 toms sound very, <laughs> very Alex for sure. Yeah. So that was and, I, and that's, you know, 1988, 89. So that's when hip hop just started to take over the mainstream. And that's all all I listened to punk rock, which we'll get to later in hip hop. That was a huge I mean, hit. that's not the that's not the easiest thing that doom. I mean, that's kind of a little bit of a it was that for and first beat. Yeah. Uh, Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby. I learned how to play eighth notes by playing along to that stupid song. And then this one was like, oh, I can play something kind of tricky and cool. That was it. And I got it a drum almost set. sounds like like the shaker in that one, too, kind of mimics the bass drum. It's got kind of a ch, t ch, ch. Yeah, I didn't dissect it oh. that far. I just wanted to do <laughs> boom, 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 boom. <laughs> um, yeah, that's sick. It's also cool because, uh, I mean, like if someone says, you know, you can't fill in, you know, in hip hop, it's like that whole song is just like a fill every every other beat. So I think that's from Janie's Crying. Is that the song, the Van Halen song? I think it's Jeannie's crying. But yeah, I didn't know that as a kid. I just like, wow, the drums are like every every four bars, there's this cool drum thing. And I figured it out. Do you know the song? Oh my gosh. I don't know who the artist is, but it's that song about beer. It's like, beer is good. Beer is good. It's like a comedy song. No. Oh my gosh. Like I should though. <laughs> I want to say I'll drop in that audio, but for the uh, I don't want to because it's a really <laughs> bad song. But it almost sounds like he's kind of mimicking that beat as well. Interesting. Um, Tone Loke is a legend, dude. Get get hip to late uh, 80s <laughs> pop hip hop. <laughs> well, no, there's, I mean, this is kind of why I wanted to do this. This is for the listeners and also uh, selfishly because I know I need to expand my musical wait, tastes. Wait, um, do you know Young MC? I don't. Oh, man. I've heard of him. I've heard, I know. Check out Young MC. Flea plays, plays bass on a bunch of it. It's like funky, high energy, late 80s hip hop. It's cool. 
Um, and Tone Logan. Yeah, just all I'm going to say ass. is yes, I know. I know this is, <laughs> I'm going to be chastised this entire series of how little I know about good music. I can't blame you. So. I mean, it's like someone asking me about stuff from the late 70s. I'm like, if it's not Led Zeppelin, I don't know what the hell it is. Well, there was like a gap for me because I grew up on my dad's construction site. So I know a lot of 50s, 60s, and 70s stuff. Oldies 101.1 in Spokane. But other than that, it's like, yeah, the late 80s, mid 90s kind of vibe. I, I just jumped right over that. Wow. So. There's, a, there's a gold mine of stuff. Ice Cube's first solo record. That's from that time period. Yeah, it's a gold mine of, of it was when, you know, hip hop was still pretty raw but everyone was starting to get into it. Sure. Yeah, I would skateboard and listen to rap records <laughs> and punk records, and that was it. Little Mike skateboarding <laughs> down the street listening to Tone Loke. Yep. At least I said it right this time. I almost want to drop in the audio of me saying it correctly the first time, um, <laughs> but uh, I'm not. All right, number two. Click on this. Hopefully I can pronounce this, this guy right. <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> I hope so, especially being a rock drummer. <laughs> yes. All right. Thanks for coming to the show. That's it today. Uh, it was, we had Mike Dawson. <laughs> uh, the Ramones were definitive for me as, you know, I got my drum set on Christmas that year. So I was air drumming to pop and, and hip hop records that were on the radio. The morning I got my drum set, my brother got electric guitar. He was a Ramones mm. fan. So he says, we're going to learn Road to Ruin from top to bottom. We're going to learn this whole record. And most of the songs, you know, I could fake it. I couldn't get the bass drum independence, but I could play the backbeat. I could play the time. Uh, we started with the um, Something to Do, I think, is the opening track. And that, I learned it the morning of Christmas. So we were jamming out the day I got my drum set. Got to this song, that tempo, no freaking mm. way. And still to this day, that tempo is like the benchmark for me. Can you play that strong, that confident, with that such a great sound? Those eighth notes are chugging. Yes, they are. So that's still to me like Marky Ramon is my hero. Like his sound with the Ramones is just perfect to me. Yeah. If you listen to Tommy Ramon on the earlier records, as awesome as they are, it's pretty it's pretty ragged. But this is Marky's first record and it's to me it's like the band is just so much more powerful as soon as he comes in. So he's an all time hero and that track in particular, I don't know if I could play it now. And the live version from the whatever that live record was forget mm -hmm. about it it's got to be 20 clicks faster <laughs> oh geez <laughs> yeah. yeah punk rock for me is um definitely my my right hand the molar technique before i even knew what the hell the molar technique was the push pull thing mm -hmm. um and on him i mean it's it's one thing to go fast on the hi-hat but then to switch to a floor tom like a dead floor tom mm -hmm. that they it almost sounds like there's like an you know big fat snare drum on there just duh, duh, duh. yeah and, and I, I had good fortune to get to sit down with him for a few hours to interview him and we were talking oh, wow. about that. He uses a lot of fingers, actually. He plays really loud with just French grip. Um, and we were talking about the hardcore punk scene where everything's kind of double time. Sure. And he's like, yeah, that's us for, for cheaters because they're playing like a punk polka. They're not playing all the eighth notes. <laughs> I was like, all <laughs> a right, A polka, dude. like a uh, one, two, three snap, right? Right. <laughs> but it's like that was the Ramones thing. Like the guitars never played upstrokes. You know, the drums always had to play all the all the eighth notes. You could never just play quarters. That would be cheating to be a Ramon. Mm -hmm. Everything had to be down. <laughs> 
It's so funny too, because Brian Brian DeLeon, who plays with Albert Hammond Jr., was on the show a few times ago. And even just the strokes, like mid-tempo stuff, to get those hi-hats just consistent and just machine-like, <laughs> after the first verse of like 100 BPM, you're like, I'm good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you get that stuff and it's just, geez. And that's, I mean, that's, that's to tape. You can't really fake that stuff. They sounded like that. That's the way know? they played. And Mark even told me that was the first day that he got a Peisty crash, I think. So he had some old Zildjian's and a Peisty crash. You can hear there's like this kind of like airy crash and then this glassy, beautiful crash. And that's what made him switch was hearing the, the Zildjian sound like a Zildjian, but the Peisty just had that glassiness. You can hear it. The left side is the Zildjian. The right side is the Peisty. Now that you're aware of it, you'll hear it. It's like yeah. a papery nope. crash, then a real like crystal clear crash. Yeah, Pisces just sound, they, they, they never piss you off in the studio. They're just, they do what they need to do. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, cool. Yeah. I mean, the Ramones, uh, good to know we have something in common. This is great. Let's, let's just go to number three. Okay. Obviously, that's a classic, and I think any any drummer eventually hears that, and they have to figure out what the hell's going on. And especially if you come from a marching band background, you can hear all that. But for mm -hmm. me, again, this was something my brother wanted to play. He learned the guitar part, so I had to figure out the drum part. Um, my brother's six years older than me, so he had a bit of an advantage as far as coordination and, <laughs> and dexterity. Um, <laughs> but I'm left-handed. I'm left-handed. I chose to set my drums up right-handed because I committed to what I was seeing on MTV. So I made, I remember making the decision, is the rack time going to go to the left or to the right? And looking at MTV and just deciding, everybody does a rack time to the left, so I'm going to do that. But I'm left-handed. And I didn't want to play open-handed because nobody did that. There was no Carter Beaufort at the time that, that was on MTV. So I learned crossover, but I led with my left hand for everything. All my fills, everything was leading with the left hand. Try to play Sunday Bloody Sunday, left hand lead. And you're just punching yourself in the face the whole time. Okay, yeah, okay. So this tune was when I decided, what am I doing? I'm learning right hand lead. So this was the, the song that forced me to just become right-handed as a drummer. He is one of the most... I, I shy away from saying underrated because I think he's objectively not underrated, but... He's not talked about a lot on how the earlier records, how punk rock and how powerful he was. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you think of the U2 stuff, you think anthemic, simple, kind of like just straightforward parts. But yeah, some of his stuff was very intricate and very cool. You, you, know? you take him out of the mix and it's just boring, delayed guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Love you, Edge, but I agree. What's the um, bullet, bullet the Blue Sky? Is yeah. that the song? Yeah, I played that one a bunch. Yeah. That whole record is perfect. And yeah. Sonically, that... musically, Joshua Tree. Is... Yeah. Joshua Tree. Okay. I didn't know if that was Joshua Tree or Boy. But um, yeah, he's, he's so powerful. I use that, that as an example so many times when we're in the studio when they want to do like a bridge and they're like, ah, it's rock, but I kind of want to go away from it. And it's like, okay, we'll take out the backbeat, mm. just do some weird, you know, pan it to the left and then just rip off that 
and it sounds like this kind of weird like what's going on while the guitar is doing something more you know experimental yeah and it's just singles that's what I, was so magical to me like when i really started learning i was like it's just singles you're just moving the, the hands around and it's sort of repetitive but sort of not so it just sounds it has that vibe to me like i don't know what the hell he's doing but it's not out of reach you know yeah when i when i think him i mean singles are a big part of his playing like in the um that i i forget the name of the song i'm so bad with song names and apparently tone loke the deca 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 uh, in the name of love oh, what's yeah, that song yeah. called that's the other one where he's doing a similar vibe yeah it's just he's just doing a very extended uh you know accented single stroke roll and yep. it's not hard but to make it sound that clean is very hard yep and both of these tunes are on rattle and hum which was the first like rock movie that i saw that i just like i have to do that i want to be playing arenas someday so his i mean your style you talk about it a lot is 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 very much you know you you give yourself limitations within like rudiments and stuff mm -hmm. and that's what you practice with a lot it's so, i mean you're kind of saying larry was a big part of that 100 percent. yeah yeah i mean like I think in a young drummer, I chased the most difficult stuff for a long time. But when it came down to what I actually played, mm. you'll never, very rarely would you ever hear me do anything more than a single or a double. Even flams would be for accents only. I, I know I'd hybrid type combinations. I'm kind of anti like patterns and licks and linear kind of makes my skin crawl, like all that. I just want to play powerful, simple, you know, interesting but not complicated and so i've got marky ramon i've got larry Mel you see how it's all kind of feeding into this i didn't even realize sure. it until you asked me to, to come up with these tracks i'm like oh there's a three lined here it's deliberate Definitely. it's compositional it's it's servicing the song there's no show-offy element we'll get to one later that Arguably, it could be pretty darn show-offy, but <laughs> it still kind of <laughs> adheres to my guidelines, I think. <laughs> well, and again, to go off that point, I, I again, I don't know the, the other ones you're going to send, so I might be putting my foot in my mouth. But most of the people that have done this so far, they haven't given the, the Vinnies the insert here's. They've always been the more... This is the actual thing that influences me that makes me money is these more yeah. the Ramones, the 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 Freeses, you know, those yeah. guys. Yeah, the music. So it's, it's fun. Always, for me, it's all about the music. And that's mm -hmm. such cliche to say, but it, I mean, my favorite band of the 90s was the Red Hot Chili Peppers as opposed to Soundgarden or the more complicated bands because that stuff was just groovy. It just mm -hmm. was funky. Um, I don't think Chili Peppers made the list, but he would be a, an icon of, of influence for me. <laughs> All right, so that was Larry Mullins Jr. Um, let's go to number four. I don't even remember what it was. Oh, yes. It is an ad for Harder Than You Think. Um, <laughs> had a big influence on your playing. The word dice and how to spell it. I mean, you're talking about singles too. That was mostly just going back and forth, right? Exactly. It was the first. Yeah. Um, my uncle, my uncle's probably 13 years older than me. So when I got a drum set, he was also chomping the bit, like, "All right, you're my drummer now." And so he's, you know, he's from that Judas Priest Kiss era. So mm -hmm. I, and he lived like four or five houses away from me. 
So every Sunday I would go up to his house and just learn classic rock songs with him while he and his buddies just had a party and played rock <laughs> played Kiss and we played a lot of Zeppelin, Kiss. I mean, it was just all the classics. This yeah. was the song that like there was a drum feature in. So at this point I probably was playing drums for a year and like I really didn't have a whole lot of chops, but I learned this sucker note for note. And it kind of, again, fills that criteria. It's a solo, but it's composed. It, there's a structure sure. to it. He's not he's not throwing every... I mean, I don't know how many licks Peter Chris really had, but, I mean, he's he's shaping it. I mean, it spills. So I learned all that. And then I learned the threes. <laughs> so every time I play, like, any kind of break or a solo, I usually think more like this rather than get the blush to... Pull the blushed out of your back pocket. Let's go. Are there any hit songs with a blushed in it? I'm sure Vinny's snuck one in somewhere. Sure, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kiss is one of those bands that I've never not gotten into, um, but I just haven't gone down the rabbit hole. And uh, I mean, you hear yeah. one song, you've heard them all. Um, this was the one that the cowbell, I got a cowbell. Ding, 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 ding. I mean, it's it was, this was like, I'm learning how to be the, the rock star drummer with this track. This whole record is kind of good. I don't know that I would condone listening <laughs> to a ton of Kiss, but I like this record. <laughs> yeah, they're in suits in this record, right? This is this is the cover for it, right? Yeah, it's badass. Looking good. <laughs> there was actually a video that we uploaded a few, maybe a week ago. He, maybe, I'm not sure if he's famous for this, but it was a video that was very popular of him on like a treadmill before the show. And he's like on a treadmill, but they, they, they took away yeah they, they they took away the handles, and he was doing rudiments <laughs> while he's like on the treadmill. But that's like his warm up. I mean, if Kiss is nothing but brilliant at branding, you know, like put a dude in a in a cat makeup on a treadmill with some drumsticks. I mean, how freaking cool is that for any nine year old kid? To see? <laughs> Can't argue with that. God, those those toms sounded really cool. I mean, they're definitely a vibe. For sure. The cool kids want to hate on Kiss, but that's a pretty darn good record. Yeah, hating on anything is just funny to me. It's like, dude, you, you can take something from anything, you know? <laughs> that's true. I it's mean, coming from the guy who didn't know who Tone Loke was, so... <laughs> you know, yeah, I wasn't I, hating on him. I just had no idea he existed. Yeah, I give um, you the pass. <laughs> <laughs> hey, y'all. I wanted to... <laughs> I can't say. I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely, it's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston, actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his his you know where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum, and it was it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com, just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but 
go check it out. This drum is beautiful. And he actually let me use it on an Eve 6 tour. And I didn't keep it. And I regretted it ever since then, just because I was trying to pinch pennies at the time. And I just kept thinking about it. And so the opportunity to get it again was presented. And it is one of my favorite drums. So the Ocean Patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum. Check it out. Reach out to me. Go to Vessel Drum Co. The Instagram's just at Vessel Drum Co. And check it out. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Sounds great. Bye. All right. So, oh my gosh. I knew you were going to, I knew you were going to involve Dennis. So yes, let's go. Let's go Dennis Chambers. Um, this is his live, looks like it's live, but Serious Moves featuring Jay Schofield. Um, this is his um, DCI video. It had a two-part video series, In the Pocket and Serious Moves. So, but it was the same okay. same session. So it was a John Schofield band playing a bunch of songs. He did some stuff. So this excerpt is Dennis playing over a drum machine. Cool. This The first one is uh, 31 minutes and 49 seconds into his performance. I'll drop in the audio, but here's this. Let me give you the whole background on this. Um, I was probably maybe middle school age at the time, sixth grade, and I was just got my first subscription to Modern Drummer Magazine. And there were ads for these new DCI drum videos. And my parents said, you can order a video, whatever you want. So I had an ad for Dennis Chambers, Serious Moves, and Simon Phillips, whatever his first video was called. They both came out like the same time. Is that the one when he like jumps on top of the drum set or jump, probably, jumps on the I mean, bass drum? Probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know which one I end up getting. So I was yeah, like, yeah. all right, do I get the, the Simon Phillips one looks cool because he's got a huge kit and long hair and all that. But this Dennis one, I know he's from Maryland. I'm from Maryland. It's called mm. Serious Moves. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> so I got that Dennis video and I am not exaggerating. I watched it every day for six years. Maybe, you know, obviously taking vacations off when I'm not at the VCR, but I watched a, be <laughs> a piece of that VHS tape every day for six years. Yeah. In this particular segment, before that, he explains, like, he would, you know, as a kid, he would just play to the radio or play mm -hmm. to whatever he had, and he would, he would improvise to the existing drum track. So then when he would go into sessions and he was, like, you know, replacing programmed drums on something... Rather than have them pull the programming out and just have a click, he would just leave the programming on and just improvise over it. And that turned into just his, this whole style. It shook me because then I got a drum machine and I just was like, I got to do this. And he's displacing the beat. He's playing all these permutations. He's doing, when he plays open-handed, he's still playing right-hand lead. So his left hand is hitting all the E's and U's. So the whole beat mm -hmm. sounds like it's displaced by a 16th note. Um, I've probably seen this thing. I mean, do the math, whatever, how many thousands of times I still can't follow the one in this, this chunk. Mm. He throws me off every single time. Is, do you know if he's left-handed as well? I mean, he's pretty confident with that left-hand lead. I think he's right-handed. I think so. He's a, sure. he's just a prodigy. I mean, he was gigging when he was two, three years old, but. Oh my God. Yeah. But that, that segment 
if you think about what I do now, if anyone's aware, I mean, that's what I'm doing. I'm playing over loops to, that's like how I practice. And it all goes back to this. I got a, a Boss DR5 drum machine when I was in high school. And I would just program things and just try to be Dennis, try to imitate what the hell Dennis is doing in that two minute <laughs> mind blowing <laughs> experience. <laughs> um, and you, you said you wanted to, um, if you're finished with that, talk yeah. about his shoes. Yeah. You. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing. They look good. <laughs> I mean, beautiful crystal, crisp white shoes. So he played PASIC, I don't know, 99 or something when I was in Columbus, Ohio. I was in college. So I took my bass player at the time, who was also in college with me, to PASIC. So I figured, you know, Dennis is playing, Gary Willis is playing. We should go check out Dennis play with Gary Willis on bass. Mm -hmm. Um, and my friend, big, you know, look, Kobe Bryant kind of looking dude, just a big, very confident man. So he goes up to Dennis after the show, every, you know, where it's, it's in the lobby of the hotel. So everyone that's at PASIC is just swarming around watching Dennis and Gary Willis go nuts. And then there's a six, five dude who just kind of towers over everybody, walks right up to Dennis and goes, Hey man, you sound great, but what's up with the shoes? Cause he always wears like white shoes. Mm-hmm. And Dennis just looks him dead in the eye. And Dennis is, I mean, he's a, looks like a, maybe a running back or something. Yeah. He's Not really yeah. tall, but he's pretty, pretty stout. He looks straight up yeah. at my, my, my friend. He goes, they're comfortable and I'll wear whatever the F I want. And then just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, cool. Thanks for insulting my hero. I didn't get a chance to even say hello to him. Cool, man. <laughs> Did it come across as he was offended, like being aggressive, or he was just have, like having fun with him? No, he was like, if we weren't in the lobby of a nice hotel, I probably would punch you in the face. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure out what shoes they are. Whoever, I mean, if you guys, I'll drop in the, the case switch. I'm not sure. Reeboks, I have no idea, but they are white. And they do look comfy, though. I'm with Dennis. If he, is, <laughs> if he ever listens to this, uh, you made a good point, man. Mm hmm. <laughs> So the second clip is from the same video, if you want to go right to that one. Yes, definitely, definitely. 41.15. And you got to catch what Dennis says in the beginning. That's kind of the whole key for me. All right, Gary, play something around this. Yeah, that's uh, it's Mr. Clean right there for sure. Yeah. And again, I've watched this video thousands of times. That intro still throws me off. Like the first, before Gary comes in on the bass, I lose the one mm -hmm. almost every single time. <laughs> Doesn't throw <laughs> Gary off. He knows, he knows right there. He like, <laughs> like, like coming on that and a four. Dude. Yeah, it gets, it gets wicked. And then later on, Dennis like leans over and says uh, something like, play syncopated funky. That's all he says. And then they just go into something where they're almost like 100% locked. Like, how the hell did they know what he meant by that? Syncopated funky. How is that not syncopated before what the hell we were doing? <laughs> I played a wedding gig with Gary Granger on bass, by the way. 
Oh my gosh. That was How'd the most intimidating. He's he's from Baltimore and I was, you know, living oh. between college and grad school. I was back in the area just gigging, taking whatever I could get and you know, working musician, take whatever job you can get. So he was on the wedding <laughs> and I showed up, was like, Oh my god, it's Gary Granger. <laughs> and it was, you know, really kind of like low key boring background music and like just top forty stuff. It was super intimidating, but we did like one kind of swing tune. And he could tell I was hanging on for dear life, you know, just intimidated. So he started walking his bass line on the offbeat. <laughs> like, just to mess with you? Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> son of a bitch. And then did he, he ever the lean gig. back at, did he ever lean back and give you kind of a, you know, a nod and no. maybe a beat no, that you're no, little? No, no, oh, okay. uh, he, he did not have fun. Nah, nah. Oh, no. It was definitely like the gig's over, handshake. Bye bye. I don't even think we. You got my name. <laughs> you didn't tell him that you watch this video every day and blah blah blah. No, I mean, that was the peak of imposter syndrome for me. I was 22 or something, and here I am playing with my all-time favorite bass player. Nah, playing like if you could only see and that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've uh, I don't know when my peak is. It comes and goes, and each time it comes back tenfold. So I don't know if I'm there yet. Yeah, I feel like I could play with him now, and I wouldn't. I mean, if now I'm old enough to where it doesn't really matter. Everyone's just a human being. But being 22, it was still like there was these Goliaths of of ability that I could never never reach. But that particular duet kind of set the template for like, what do I need in a bass player? What is the dream situation? Like just that telepathic hookup, like very little conversation, just play something around this. And, and all of a sudden you're just playing it and hitting all the forms. So I'm real picky about bass players now when I can be. And there's, you know, three or four that I would say that I would call if I had to. It's it's a small number of people to where there's it's just unspoken. We know what we're doing. You can push and pull, and I'm not going to go with you. I can push and pull, and you're not going to go with me because we're trying to create a vibe. That's hard to come yeah. by. Oh, it's I mean, and I know it's kind of a joke. Like maybe just in my group of friends growing up, the bass was kind of like the dude. I mean, as the drummer behind my back, they're probably making fun of me more often than not. <laughs> but we'd always make fun of the bass player. But nowadays in songwriting, um, when the bass is laid down, then it's like, okay, there's the song. Yeah, I think it's... Everyone says the drummer is the most important player in the band. I don't, I don't know. So, I mean, yes, but get a bad bass player in a band and they ain't going anywhere. It's like a soggy, <laughs> wet paper bag. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good punk band name um all right so that is the 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 five you actually you were very nice and just kept it to five which is great but yeah you had mentioned um a few honorable mentions kind of throughout the show is there any ones you want to pull up real quick yeah there's one um i can't i'd be really remiss if i didn't give will calhoun some huge sure. props so cult of personality um that whole record this was Similar to the um, the Dennis Chambers video or the Simon Phillips video, it was Easter, uh, whatever that year was, 88, when, when Vivid came out. I was in Kmart, <laughs> and my mom said, you can buy a tape for Easter. That'll be your Easter gift. And I was watching MTV nonstop, so Cult of Personality was on probably 300 times a day. And at the same time, Cheap Trick, Don't Be Cruel, was on like mm. 300 times a day. 
I love them both for different reasons. Bunny Carlos was just super cool. He's playing left-handed sometimes, right-handed sometimes. Always had a cigarette flopping out of his mouth. He was just <laughs> super cool. Yeah. Will Calhoun was like even cooler. Will to me was like, I want to be that guy. So mm-hmm. I had both tapes in my hand. I'm like, man, which one do I? I mean, I really like this "Don't Be Cruel" song. It's just got certain. It's kind of like it. It touches on the classic rock that I'm playing with my uncle. But there's just something about Living Color that I have to have. And then once I saw the artwork, it's like, of course, I'm going for for this. This is me. And mm-hmm. I probably listened to Vivid every day for at least four years straight. Played along to it, my little three-piece kit. But Cult of Personality in particular, there's a fill towards the out chorus where he does something where he's hitting the kick and the snare in this like weird syncopated way. And it just sounds like the drums aren't drums anymore. It's like there's some okay. phantom stuff going on. I don't know if I can find the ticker. I can send it to you later. Uh, but And also this tune, I tried to do a, um, a drum cover of it. <laughs> and if you take away the vocals and you take away the drums, it's just a guitar riff. Like okay. the whole composition of this tune is being shaped by Will Calhoun, if you really listen to it. I'm going to be completely honest and say I don't know the song, so I'm really... Oh, you don't know Cult of Personality? Oh, no. I know, right. dude. I <laughs> I almost want to edit out all this stuff, but I really want people that are like me to not feel stupid. So I'm going to just, like, take it. <laughs> you know what? Didn't, let the drop, the just tune kind in, of... drop the tune in from the top and just listen okay. to the, the opening bit, and then while you're doing that, I'll find the, the outro spot. I will say, too... Um, you know, there's those those famous two guys that like their reaction video got famous for um, in the no air problems. tonight. Like, yeah. a, they have a, a reaction video to this song. Actually, they're like me; they've never heard the song before. So I'm I'm cool like those guys. What's he doing? <laughs> Yeah, he's doing like some little like you know ghost notes in the left hand, but he's doing some weird little. It sounded to me like he just knocked his kid over. Like, <laughs> let me listen to it one more time. What's he doing? <laughs> if he did knock over his drum set, it would look it would it would fit the vi- the vibe of the video. <laughs> yeah. So, Will is everything for me. I wanted to be a drummer when I saw Will Calhoun play. Have you ever met him? So freaking, oh yeah, yeah. I got the like half drum tech for him when he played the festival, the Modern oh Drummer gosh. Festival. He, he's a, you couldn't be a kinder guy. I mean, he's, he's, you know, pretty serious dude, but very kind and, and very, very honest and warm. But yeah, had that ride cymbal, super high. And in, in the course, he's doing like the bell and the hi-hat kind of back and forth i had no idea what the hell he was doing so i tried to do it all in the bell like i learned all <laughs> sure. these 16 notes on the bell yeah yeah every he was everything to me and this that particular tune there was just so much of that like magic and power again it's very deliberate it's very controlled it's very creative and there's just a bit of that magic like what does that feel you could transcribe it but can you play it like that i mean there's like some weird stuff happening i can't do you know what year that came out 88. They opened it. for the Rolling Stones when this record came out. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine going to see the Stones and these dudes come out? <laughs> <laughs> Quite a mind trip, especially in 88. Yeah, wearing body glove suit and the guitar is just like raging the whole time. 
How were his shoes? Does he have cool shoes like Dennis or uh <laughs> which one? Who are you talking about? They're all their outfits are amazing. I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. <laughs> I mean Vernon Reed, the guitars, is wearing like a freestyle BMX pants. I think they're Haro pants. <laughs> The funny thing is, I think nowadays, if this came out with those outfits, people wouldn't even, they'd be like, oh, these are hip, these are like, you know, live in Hollywood kind of guys. They were cool. Body glove suit with a tailored custom suit jacket on top of it. I mean, come on. Oh my gosh. I cannot pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, with that attitude. Jeez, man. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, right, I, I feel um, good about ending my list with Will Calhoun because all of these would be irrelevant because I never would have been a drummer if I wouldn't have become obsessed with will calhoun sure sure it just was a fun thing to do but then once i heard that i was like no this is all i want to do that's great well i mean I, i'm really excited you came on because i again am excitedly embarrassed on how little i know about some people i mean these are uh, massive names um i'm not talking about tone loke but i'm talking about you know <laughs> tone loke is some like a big will actor Calhoun's... now <laughs> <laughs> okay there you go um all right well uh Thank you for taking the time. I don't want to take up any more of your time, but um, thanks for coming on the show, Mike. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the trip down memory lane. I'm ready to, man, I'm like, my palms are sweaty. I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> your drum set's right behind you, man, so just turn around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, dude. Well, have a good one. Thanks. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at BigFatSnareDrum. The audio you're hearing was edited with Isotope RX Audio Editor. It's magic. So go check that out at isotope.com. Cheers. <laughs>